Hello everybody, this is Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Jose. I'm Mike. And we've just come from seeing Bohemian uh, Rhapsody. Uh, I've got a whole series of thoughts on it, really, but uh, first of all, I want to know what, what you think, Mike. Um, I uh, think it's a film for people who already know who Queen are. Yes. I think um, it's, it's, it's kind of a medley. It's a very sanitized film, I think. Yes. That's how it comes across to me. Quite middle of the road, to be honest. And it all leads up to the big concert scene at the end. I think that's kind of the reason you're there. Yes. And that kind of says everything about who the film is for. Yes. And, and what you're meant to get out of it. Because that concert scene is really good. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, but I think if you didn't know kind of who Freddie Mercury was and who Queen were, you wouldn't come out of the film actually understanding why they were a big deal or how important they were to people. Yes. Do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. Um, I, have, I have very mixed feelings about it because, you know, um, I grew up with the music and I always kind of felt a, a kind of a connection to it. it was, so, so a friend of mine was talking about on Facebook saying, what is this, you know, crap about uh, Freddie Mercury being a, a gay icon? You know, I remember those years and, you know, kind of when you were going to the discos, it was all disco music, whatever. Nobody ever heard any Freddie Mercury there and he wasn't out and he was in the heavy metal band, which, you know, mm. kind of no self-respecting gay would touch with a 10-foot pole, blah, blah. And I think in a way that that's all true, but if you're just a little bit younger than that, which I am, then actually there was a connection, you know? It was like, so this was the kind of heavy metal music that was circulating then, that actually, certainly if you were like, you know, around 15 or 16, you know, you weren't out yet and whatever, this was a kind of a, a connection point with your straight mates, yeah, that kind right. of, you know, that, that you could listen to that together and maybe for slightly different reasons. You know, and certainly kind of, you know, the name Queen and the, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody and actually some of the, some of the songs and some of the lyrics of the songs, it did feel audacious, let's say, right? The band, yeah. Yeah, uh, or, and by audacious I mean in quotation marks, yeah, that it would, you know, that it did have some gay aspect that you couldn't quite put your finger on it, you know? Right, well, that was kind of glam rock, right? A little bit. It wasn't quite sequins, <laughs> the way that you think of glam rock, but there was a, a, a showy, flamboyant aspect. There's a show, but I, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I'm not, no. you know, I'm not very well versed on, uh, you know, the British music scene of those years, but I, I don't think that Queen was glam rock. I okay. think it was, like, just stadium rock. It was, like, you yeah. know... Um, I mean, I associate them with like the Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin and people like that, you know. Okay. Um, so. Uh, I mean, I wasn't there either. My, I mean, I know Queen, but I don't really have a good understanding of the period and and that sort of thing. So I'm asking rather than. Well, I mean, I don't know. I came, I came to them like around the late seventies, you know, through radio. And as I said, it was just kind of one of those points of connections between you and your straight mates. Yeah, they kind of, right. you know, maybe you liked it for different reasons, right? But. You know, kind of, it was that kind of stadium rock that, at least in some respects, intersected with, you know, for lack of, of a better word, a gay sensibility. And, and it wasn't just me, actually, because, you know, afterwards, all of your friends of that period, you know, who you shared this appreciation of Queen with, you know, they all ended up being gay as well. So it was more than just an individual kind of, 
you know, connection point. Um, so, but I know what he means. I mean, you know, at that point, like, it wasn't, I mean, there was always something, right? You know, the, the, you've got to be free video, uh, um, the, the, the clone look with the mustache and the Adidas and, mm. you know, those were all, yeah, I mean, in the film acknowledges belt and Yes, he says, what are you, members of the village people, right? Well, they're, right. they're actually, you know, Freddie did look like a member of the village people in a way that was kind of like acknowledged. But he was but, you know, as we see in the film, he, he wasn't out, right? So I think for me personally, there's that connection, right? And the music is meaningful to me, even though, you know, you have this montage saying how crap it is and how, you know, how Melody Maker and the new Music Express and all the, you know, the Rolling Stone, they all said how mediocre it was. Mm. But I liked it. Yeah, specifically right. Bohemian Rhapsody, I think that was on. Uh, yeah. When, the, when, when that um, bit of the film happens, it, it, there's loads of um, uh, headlines. Yeah, like, but I, I Mediocre suspect... and he tries to do all these genres and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but I suspect the, the, you know, the press in general was snooty about all of it, not just mm. Bohemian Rhapsody, actually. Um, but, but anyway, I liked it. And so I, I enjoyed the film up to a point because of the music, though I think it's a very, um, it's a very disappointing film. Yeah. So kind of, if it's yeah. basically for me, it's like reading the Wikipedia page and listening to the albums, you know, or the greatest hits really. I mean, it's, it's, um, there are, there are few pleasures for me kind of beyond that really and I, I um I didn't I didn't hate it or anything but I I was constantly watching the film at a distance yes you know I was kind of thinking I was trying to think about the decisions that were being made behind everything I wasn't in it yes I I wasn't in it until the last until the live aid concert, until live aid right happens, yeah um and actually I was I was kind of um I was trying to weigh the different factors, right? So on the one hand, you have this fascinating story about, you know, a kid from Zanzibar who's talked of as a Paki, right? And, you know, you're given his ethnic background, you're shown his family, right? So, so there is potentially a really interesting story there about, you know, all kinds of outsiderness converging onto this mainstream success, mm. which are not really explored, no. right? On the other hand, there's a whole sexual story, you know, about about coming out and so on, that's not explored. And actually I had real trouble with the way that it was represented, right? Like, you know, you got none of the fun, you know, like all you get is like loneliness and cats, you know, and like, you know. Well, there's, there's the one character, the kind of villain character, Paul, um, who, it, the, the, there seems to be a thing of like, the more gay you are in your kind of behavior and appearance, um, the more of a villain he is. Well, actually, that's, that was what I was going to say as yeah. well. That actually there's something wrong about a film... about a film that is ostensibly about a gay icon that makes the only out gay man for most of the film and someone who seems to be quite at ease with himself mm -hmm. makes him out to be the villain of the piece. Yeah. You know, so that already there is a problem. And I'm surprised that it's kind of, you know, nobody said hello, like, you know, this, <laughs> yeah, we have a problem here, right? 
So there are weird things that you can detect. So for example, if it's a, you know, this is not so much the story of Freddy as it's, as it's really the story of Queen. But yet, kind of, Freddy's the frontman for the film. And you think, well, why are all these other band members getting so much attention? There's always, like, you know, there must have been some contractual approval kind of thing. Because you're always kind of referencing back to Brian May or, you know, the other people as if they need to vet or they need to have the last word on what Freddy does or says mm. or the direction in which he develops, right? Which is very odd, you know, very weird. And also, I really despised the fact that you never see him reveling in being gay. And actually, you know, to me, the film is offensive in that way. I mean, there must have been a moment where, okay, he's had his girlfriend whom he really loves, and that I really liked about married the film. Married her. She became his wife. Oh, I didn't realize they were married. Yeah, yeah, he proposes to, um, do you remember the ring... I know he proposes, but I didn't realize they married. The most, well, okay, you don't see wedding bells. You don't, you don't see, see it. in church, but and I, I and actually, did he ever get married in real life? I don't think so. I mean, I will find out. Um, um, but I, I mean, there are things the film. Well, we can talk about it. There are things I think the film skips over, but um, the, at least the suggestion is that they got married because you see him propose. Well, and she says yes. Well, to me, the suggestion is that he proposes and she says yes, and then he goes to America and finds and discovers himself as a gay man. Mm. So they never get married. Because actually, if they would have gotten married, you would have heard something about a divorce, at least. I guess so. Um, mm. So I didn't, re I didn't understand that as them being married. I understood it as, you know, he's in love with her, which I understand. And actually, I appreciate the film showing that. You know, showing that this, this gay man can have deep and lifelong feelings for this woman. You know, in spite of, you know, afterwards kind of coming out to himself. Mm. But what I don't understand is the character never being shown to be having a great time. Mm. You know, because, I mean, can you imagine a rock star, uh, you know, gay, discovering gay New York, right? And, you know, probably being like the king of the roost in New York. I mean, it must have been fantastic, <laughs> right? And, you know, you clearly see him as someone who's got, or the real Freddie Mercury, somebody who had an enormous sex drive and who got real pleasure out of, you know, so it must have been like, like Dorothy and Oz going to New York, right? You, you see none of that in, in any of those things, actually, you know, because, I mean, there is joy and euphoria in taking drugs, right? Um, I mean, be, yeah. you know, before it becomes a problem, that's why people do it. So, but you see none of that. And actually, you see none of, you know, the, the pleasure in, in, in his sexuality that he must have had, even if he repented the next day or if he felt bad about himself the next day. You know, there must have been kind of those moments in those clubs where he was alive and joyous and, you know, and I think it's a real problem that the film doesn't show you any of it. Right? Also, I, I looked up and they didn't get married. Yeah. Um, there's actually no suggestion on, on uh, the Wikipedia page that um, he proposed. Right. There may be an invention for the film, I don't know. But they didn't get married. They did have this long-term relationship. Yes. Um, I mean, I, you know, I appreciate that element about the film, but it, it, it feels, I wouldn't say homophobic, well, it, it, it's, it's trying... There were, okay, so before Rami Malek was, uh, was cast as Freddie Mercury, the film has kind of had a, a, a long history of trying to get made, and one of the first people who was going to uh, do it was Sasha Baron Cohen, yes. who is famous for, for being Ali G and Borat. Um, and from what I understand, that, kind of, that, that project fell apart because I think the band, particularly Brian May, 
basically said he wants to include too much sort of well uh, had just kind of dirty stuff like, yeah. like, a, like a you know a, a kind of unvarnished sort of aspect to it because I mean you think basically any any film about a huge rock band is going to have to include some really dirty stuff and if it doesn't it's basically a hagiography yeah. which is what apparently they wanted because that's what this is and this is a, uh, this is and um and so I, you know, I do have a problem with like basically when when Freddie Mercury, when you see the the gay side to him in this film, it's off screen really. You it's know, all people off talk screen. about it. It's all off screen, or it's all showing decline. Yeah. You know, like no pleasure in. You know, no pleasure in the drugs, no pleasure in the parties, no pleasure in... No pleasure in actually in being who he is. Yeah. No pleasure in being who he is. There's, yeah. there, there's, there is talk throughout the film, and it's a theme the film is trying to uh, develop, of identity. So it starts off with him uh, being called a Paki, and he says, you know, I'm not from Pakistan, he's from Zanzibar. And, um, and then there's that dinner scene with his parents, yeah. who are kind of unambiguously... Uh, from the Indian subcontinent, whereas he, you know, kind of, to look at him, you maybe don't quite know. Yeah, um, and um, and they talk about having to leave uh, Zanzibar, coming to London. Uh, but he he so they say, you know, oh, we we you were born in you were born in Zanzibar, and he kind of sh- wants to shrug it off. Yeah. And I think his sister says, yeah, he was born in London at the age of eighteen. Yeah. So there's this idea of rebirth because then at the same time, this is the scene in which he tells everyone, my name. I've changed it to Freddie Mercury yes. from Freddie Bolsh. I forget what his original surname was, but um, and he does it by singing "Happy Birthday," mm. "Happy Birthday to Me," "Happy Birthday to Me," "Happy Birthday, Freddie Mercury." Yes. So again, it's this idea of birth, of of a kind of invention of himself. Yes. Um, and and then a little bit later in the actually it's towards um, it's when he he he's received his uh, HIV diagnosis and he tells the band and he says you know with the time I have left I want to I just want to make music and I want to be who who I am which is a performer mm. and that sort of thing so so there is there's a there's a theme that the film is trying to draw on which uh, of identity and and self-determination but you would think that that being gay is, is part of that but it never feels like it gets there I mean, it's his wife, or rather his girlfriend, who has to say to him, you're gay. Okay. He, there, are, there are three things that uh, Freddie Mercury is associated with. Obviously, the music, and that above all, right? The other thing is his gayness, and the other thing is, you know, that he died of AIDS. Those are the three key characteristics of, of that one associates with him. And actually, the gayness and the AIDS bit are terribly shown, mm. I think. You know, um, I, you know, th- there's a connection made between the moment that he's diagnosed and then meeting the love of his life, right? You know, going, you know, finding the guy who... Jim. Jim. Who, know, he had, who he connected with before and reconnects with. That's right. And you think, well, the first conversation that you have to have with Jim is how is he going to respond to your declaration of being, you know, of, of being positive, mm. right? Nothing, that's all skated over, right? As if it doesn't matter, as if there's nothing to negotiate or talk about or yeah. discuss, right? Uh, and at that time, you know, that must have been terrifying, right? So, so you know, there's... I mean, I think the film fudges it completely. I also think, you know, this sense of... You know, there's a really interesting story here of somebody carrying multiple and contradictory idea um, identities 
and navigating them through, right? So, you know, he's, he's a kid who went to public school, right? Mm. You know, on the other hand, he's an immigrant, yeah? You know, his family yeah. looks like they're middle class, lower middle class. You know, he becomes a, a pop star, right? Like, you know, he's gay, yeah? Like, the bandmates are all straight. And actually, you know, and they're always shown, like, with their wives. I mean, actually, it's kind of... I think it's... The more I think about it, the more homophobic I think it is. So he's shown lonely with his cats, turning on lights on and off. Mm. Whereas, you know, probably he was cruising somebody, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> in the park. You know, whereas kind of, you know, they're always there with their partners and kind of having to go home because of the kids. Like, mm. come on. And the, the, partner, the partners are, are allowed into the studio as well, which... Well, I mean, maybe they were, maybe it was that friendly a, a, a studio, but I just, I, know, I don't believe that somehow. No, I kind of, it felt <laughs> I like... I also don't believe, basically, they only, they only really start having arguments about halfway through the film. Like, the, 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 the journey that the band has is, um, it's really plain sailing. Like, they just get on all the time. Yes. And, and they, they present a united front to, to the record exec who doesn't want them to do this, that, and the other, played by Mike Myers. And, um, and you kind of feel... Uh, like okay, so I wasn't there. I, maybe they actually did get on this well for yes. a long time, but I just I, I I don't believe it somehow. And actually, that whole section of the film is skating over so much stuff. They you know I I, I had a real problem with um, what drives them and what drives Freddie in particular. I have no understanding of from the film. Actually, that's what that's when I say when I say that it's like watching the Wikipedia page. Yes. It, um, that section of the film is just it's bland. And it's just saying, then they did this, then they did this, then Bohemian Rhapsody came out. So, for instance, when they're recording Bohemian Rhapsody and they start saying, we need to get more experimental. No, it's actually it's before that, rather. Um, I can't remember what song it is, but they say, we need to get more experimental. And they start swinging the, the, the amps back and forth mm. through the room and putting coins on the drums and stuff. You go, OK, but why? Why do they feel they need to get more experimental? The film is showing that they're enjoying it, yes. but it doesn't show what drove them to it. Yes. You know, it's just showing some stuff happening and that's what the film does for a very long time is just show some stuff happening but I recognise it because I know what the song sounded like I mean it's a film strung along a Queen soundtrack and Queen is obviously like this corporate cretin you know that needs to protect you know it's it's capital at the moment right so I think a lot of the film is around protecting you know, what Queen stands for, because of course they're still touring, mm. you know, and kind of and still selling out arenas, I forget with what's his name instead of Freddie, uh, this American pop star. So you get the sense that a lot of it is like that. And actually, a lot of it also was the most cliched storytelling, yeah. you know, which is like, you know, you think uh, in 1940s film or something, you know, how did Beethoven compose? And maybe he hears thunder and goes, ta-ta-ta-ta, right? Like, yeah. you know, this is full of stupid intros like that. It has those of, moments where you recognize the bits. Yeah, of how a song came to be in the most cliched way possible. You know, and that's half the movie. <laughs> Mind you, it's not so bad as um, uh, the uh, Straight Outta Compton, the NWA uh, hagiography, which again, was a hagiography, because oh. like um, it was made by... Um, uh, Ice Cube, I think, produced right. by and, his, and his stars his son, and um, and there's that bit where um, it's the intro to a scene, like it's not actually about the song, but it um, it's Snoop Dogg, I think, on a keyboard, and he um, and he's just fiddling around, and he starts playing um, oh shit, no, I can't remember the bloody song, but it's that really famous riff. Oh, I'm so glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> yeah, <no, it's> <laughs> 
This is nothing but a G thing. He's on the keyboard and he's just mucking around. No. And he's doing that and then like eventually he comes up with the riff. Yes. And it's like, and you go, oh, that's that riff from that song. That's when they invented it. It's in the movie. Well, and then he's going, <laughs> I mean, there are bits of that in this. Practically, not bits, almost <laughs> every song gets a little intro like that. Yeah, but, but then, uh, to be fair, they are generally sort of, they do generally say, like, we wrote this as opposed to we discovered it magically. Oh, wow. Well. <laughs> yeah. but, um, but, but the thing is, it, but it is, it is, what the film is doing is going through a bunch of their hits and saying, yes. you recognise this one, you recognise this one. Yeah. And, it's, and, and like I say, this is when you, you go, this is, this is who the film is aimed at. The film is aimed at the people who recognise this stuff yes. and we just want to hear it. And actually, and, and also it's aimed at a mainstream audience of people who recognize this stuff, you know, and you know the fact that Eddie Mercury is the star, Freddie is, Mercury, Freddie Mercury is the star, is a little bit of a problem because I mean there was this couple next to me, you know, and every time two men would kiss, which doesn't happen very often at all in the film, you know, th- th- that old guy would go, "Oh dear." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. So I don't think um, I mean, this is, I'm maybe picking up on something you said I don't think they did ever break up Queen uh, it's suggested in the film that they did because he went off and did these two albums in, in Germany with, and did a song with Bowie and stuff Yes. but um, I, part of my understanding is they never actually really properly broke up the Live Aid gig wasn't a reunion as the way it's shown in the film and also he didn't know at the time of the Live Aid gig that uh, he had HIV yes. That's it's the, that the timeline is screwed with to make it more dramatic I guess okay well how accurate it is I don't know uh, to make it dramatic it makes it dramatic in one sense but actually it kind of ruins the film for me in another sense because mm. I mean the whole thing about him finding the, the timing of him finding the love of his life who stayed with him until he died I think it's really problematic the way that it's shown yeah you know uh, I think so, it's really thoughtless. Yeah, exactly. Which is true of all of the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think it's one of those films that you know, people for whom it's meaning. So I have another friend who was saying that he just loved it and he didn't care what anyone said, you know, because as a child when he was 10 or whatever, he remembers the whole Live Aid thing. You know, and he saw mm. it live and, you know, that evoked all those memories. And, of course, it, this is the finale of this film. Mm. So, actually, for him, the, the film ended on this great high note, mm. which it kind of does, in a way. Yeah, well, it, you, you forget get, that you he get dies. A big, <laughs> you get a really big, lovely medley of him playing at Wembley. And you're right there on stage with him. Yes. And, and the performance from Rami Malek... It, it, the physicality and the presence of his performance uh, that, you, go, you believe that great. this guy yeah. is a rock star he's in control of that audience yeah he's he's great in those scenes I didn't think he was as great in some of the earlier scenes actually no you know uh, I think he spoke too slowly like in, in all of the England home scenes right from mm. the beginning I think there was something just kind of very um, overly thoughtful Yes, he wasn't kind of loosely camp enough, or or he didn't give the the signs of just you know this quick intelligence, right? Everything was slow and measured, as if he was still playing iRobot or something, right? Kind of <laughs> like this recessive figure, right? Not iRobot, Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot. <laughs> um, so you know, I think he was much better as soon as he cut his hair. Yeah. You know, which is very late on in the film. Yeah. Then he became great, and he looked the part much more. And actually, that intro—I was going to say—that the the, the the film uh, opens up 
on uh, Freddy leaving his trailer to go and perform uh, at Live Aid. Yes. And you don't see his face. You see, you, you see him wake up and he's got those big kind of strong like kind of bodybuilders physique shoulders. Yes. And um, and you see the, the the haircut at the back of his head, and you just see his moustache. He cut, he just yeah. trims his moustache, and um, it's when he's he's it's in slow motion, and he's walking up to the stage uh, from behind, and and the camera follows him behind. So it's that it's the it's the white vest and the blue jeans and the studded belt and his hair and his arms, and he's kind of flexing and jumping, and and. Okay, so you can't see his face. Rami Malek does look an awful lot like Freddie Mercury. Yes. It's, very, it's quite convincing, the look. But from behind, you go like, I'm actually watching Freddie Mercury. It's a pretty yeah. amazing intro to him yes. and to the film, yes. um, which, uh, you know, it lets down. It lets down. I mean, I didn't like the way that the film was shot as well because so much of it seemed to be shot with a fisheye lens. Yeah, so all the, all the edges were blurry, right? And it was almost like a circle surrounding a face where the... You know, the face was in focus and everything around it was blurry, mm. right? And so much of the film is shot that way. I found it, like, really mm. kind of, you know, disconcerting and alienating. Uh, There's nothing too intelligent about its look. It has, it has what I think, a look you would expect of a kind of friendly rock biopic. Yes. You know, it's kind of... It's, it's fairly warm colours a lot of the time. It's shot through a sort of 70s fog... You know, yes. like everything back then was dusty somehow. Yeah, um, it's just bizarre. Really. It, it it looks like the way people like to remember the past in a way. I think like in the seventies, things looked like this. They looked beige, and they they were kind of beautiful and dusky. And um, and the whole film has that kind of it has a look that wants to make you feel great nostalgia. It was beautiful. Everything is seen through a haze. Yes, that's how I kind of feel about that. It's very weird because I think in the first one minute and a half of the film, you know, you get this image of, you know, this iconic image of Marlena Dietrich smoking her cigarette with, like, her cheekbones sculpted with light, right? Which is yeah. such a gay icon. It's a poster on his wall. Yeah, it's an image of a gay icon. Then you have, I think it's Frankie Howard on television. I don't right? remember. And then you have, you know, a pan of, through an image of the queen herself, mm. right? Like, in the... The parents must have been the parents living. Yeah, he's, he, he stood up and it's, he's framed next to a, yes. a painting or a print of the Queen. And then you have cats, right? So I think, okay, you know, he's a lonely gay Queen, right? Like, you know, it kind of, it, 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 that instantly sets up a kind of a knowing kind of context, very subtly done. And I thought, oh, you know, this might be better than I expected. And it doesn't. Though those images, the film returns to those images. You see yeah. that big poster being moved from house to house of Marlena Dietrich. Yes. Yeah. See it a couple of times. Uh, yeah. So um, anyway, there was something I wanted to pick up on, but I don't think it'll go anywhere. I may not even put it in the podcast. Right. Um, but I, I, there was also something about um, uh, like a colonial, something about colonialism. I was trying to think through. Which I don't think the film is either, and I think it's just something I'm picking up on from out of nowhere. But it's like the band is called Queen, and and that you know this connotation of okay uh, uh, gayness of the word mm. Queen meaning a gay person, but also the Queen like when he when he writes down on his he designs the logo again. This is something the film just flicks through very quickly. It's like oh we call Queen now, yeah. Um, and he's he's drawn the logo and he says it's the only thing I can think of as flamboyant as me to claim that we're royalty sort of thing. Yeah. And he and, and he comes downstairs at that party dressed like a king in that, in yes. that kind of robe and he says we're all we're all Her Majesty because we're all the band Queen. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
But of course, he comes from uh, a place that was a a, a, um, a colony, a colony uh, of the United Kingdom, and there is that that, that painting of of Queen Elizabeth II uh, on his parents' house, and his parents, um, like the dinner that they have is, as you say, very English. Yeah. They, they set the dinner table and they have kind of uh, very, uh, very nice, delicate uh, tea, tea cups and saucers. And but then the pastries are all like uh, Indian-type yeah. pastries. You know, so like those sweets, yeah, they, they have like those bright orange sweets and, you know, they have the things with pistachios. Mm. They're very East Asian sweets. So I just don't know. I, did, I, I, I didn't... It, the, the film definitely seemed to me to be trying to pick up something about royal imagery and, 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 and royal, some sort of royal connotation, maybe royal aspiration or something. Well, for me, so there's two things, right? First of all, there's much made of the fact that, you know, he's a Farsi, right? And we're told the story that the Farsis were kicked out of Iran, you know, by the Muslims, right? And then kind of, you know, the family uh, uh, went to Zanzibar, yeah. right? And then they were kicked out of Zanzibar. So actually there is something about, you know, the queen in England symbolizing comfort and refuge and a home to people who are outcasts. Parsi, right? I think. Parsi. I, it's, I think it's derived from the same term, but yeah, okay. Persian basically. Right, okay. Um, okay, I was, I, I was sorry, it's Farsi, Farsi. If Farsi is, is the language and people, but the, but the actual specific term for ah. the people he came from was Parsi. Okay. But I think it is derived from the same place. Right. Um, and of course, he's got this line of dialogue saying, you know, we're all outsiders. We are outsiders in different ways, you know, and our audience is all outsiders. So, you know, we are going to make insiders of all of us. Right. And then, of course, you know, he's at the, yeah, so he's like mm. the queen of all of these groups of yeah. yeah, outsiders. So I think kind of, you know, that thing of the center and the periphery, you know, and then also, for example, when he says, oh, we're, we can organize a tour of Japan for you. Well, Japan isn't good enough, you know, but America, wow. So there is kind of all of these relationships amongst kind of, you know, mm. the, the center and the periphery and where it's at, yeah. who belongs and who doesn't. So, you know, the film is not junk. I mean... You know, there are kind of themes and issues that it's trying to deal with. I just think, A, that it's not aimed at gay people, you know, and that it's a problem when, you know, that becomes the central search for the protagonist of your film. And B, that it doesn't tell the story very well, you know. It really doesn't. Um, so, you know, what's there for most people is the music. And the last 20 minutes of the Live Aid concert, which are just absolutely great, I think. You know, but that's it. Yeah, I feel like you learn nothing coming out of it. Um, and um, it, it might be worth uh, pointing out that the film is... I will uh, double-check the details. The story... The, the screenplay is by Anthony McCartan, who I don't know, but the story is co-credited to him, Peter Morgan. Right. And Peter Morgan is uh, a big name in screenwriting and, and playwriting. He wrote The Queen, um, Frost Nixon, The Damned United, yes. Rush, and created The Crown on Netflix. Right, uh, which are very seen. impressive credits. Very impressive credits. But, but they do share to me somehow... Rush, Rush as well, although I love Rush to bits, and I think it's brilliant. They all do share to me that um, 
what I was saying about that kind of hazy, you're looking through a fog at the 1970s yes. sort of thing. Yes. Um, that, that nostalgia for the way things were. Things were. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm. Which you this know. does too. So then, you know, that's also part of the problem because, of course, what happens is they do the Live Aid concert and then, you know, cut to the end and then you get a title card saying Freddie Mercury died of AIDS in 1991. So like it really feels like it comes out of nowhere. Like yeah, the color of the film hasn't like, mentioned that he had AIDS, but yeah. it's not actually made much of an issue of it. It's done. It's what it's done is is said. Let's just kind of ignore quietly the uh, actually what really kind of being gay is and was to him and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Let's just kind of not let's really ignore. concentrate on that, and then let's make sure that when he when he reveals he has AIDS, he has lots of friends. Yeah. And then let's let's announce and then that let's he had AIDS right away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I everything that was meaningful to this man's life. Is erased. Yeah, as as I think is the music. Yes, we've talked about how the film kind of erases the, the uh, gayness and and the AIDS, but the music as well. Like I say, I I can't impress enough how little I think the film does credit to the music. It mm. plays the music, and there are some very nice covers and that sort of thing. Sometimes it's weird because you're you're seeing you're seeing him sing like uh, uh, in um, at his piano just in his house or something, and and the song that you're hearing is clearly from a studio. Like it, yeah. they match up weirdly sometimes. And I think sometimes they're using the original songs, and sometimes they're using him. It's yeah, tough, you know. So it, there's a weirdness to the to yeah. the way the music's produced. But um, the film does credit to the music just by playing it. It's amazing music, and it and it's it's fantastic to hear it. Um, but like I say, what the band wanted, what they stood for, what they felt the music was about, what the meaning was to all of that, what the, what drove them, I think there's no appreciation of that, no no investigation of that. There is that one point which you mentioned, I think, about where they say this is what we want the band to be. Mm. We want the band to be for the outsiders, the mm. guys at the back of the crowd who don't think it's for them. We're those guys too. We want mm. to be for them. You know, so which is great, but it doesn't feed into anything else about the music. It's just no. going through the motions. And can I say again how much I resented like the representation of the other members of the band like you know like everything that that freddie did had to be vetted by them or acknowledged by them or supported by them, commented on or commented on and all the time they're like smug married heterosexuals with their children you know and here is like this poor sad lonely wreck i mean you know, I'm sure they weren't all the well-adjusted married <laughs> men. I mean, it's just a bit I'm, I'm yeah. offensive, actually, I found it. You know, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, um, uh, it's, it's notable, I will check the details again, um, that Brian May and Roger Taylor, they were certainly musical consultants, so whether they were exec producing that sort of thing, I'm not entirely sure, but I think they've been involved in the film for an awful long time. It was the, kind of their film to give the okay to and that sort of thing mm. I want to check the grosses because oh it's got a load of money yeah, uh, Roger Taylor Roger Taylor and Brian May uh, are executive music producers that's how they're credited uh-huh. so, um, so there you go it's been doing incredibly well my god you know mm-hmm. it's um, so it it's had, giving the people what they want it's and had, what they want is nothing that complicated exactly so it's grossed 100 million in the US uh, and another 151 the worldwide right now, it's two hundred and eighty-five million mm. on a budget of fifty-two. So actually, it's a huge hit. There were a couple of Americanizations I didn't like, and this is a really minor point. But um, there's one point where the uh, the the record exec that Mike Myers plays, who he's an amalgam of a load of different people. He's not a real. He wasn't. He's not based on one person. Um, he he says uh, Bohemian Rhapsody will never be a hit. Period. 
and he's from Liverpool. He should be saying full stop. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and, um, and there's a point where the van uh, breaks down. They, have to, they get a flat tyre and, um, and they're replacing it. And Brian May says, you want to turn it counterclockwise. And it's anti-clockwise. Oh, right. Okay. So it just is. Right. He okay. wouldn't say, and also, I think, and this is more, this, this one I'm not so sure of, but um, they talk about the, the audience for Live Aid being a billion people worldwide. And that, at that time, in Britain, I don't think people used billion to mean a thousand million. It meant a million million back then. And then, like, in the 90s and 2000s, we got our shit together and copied right. America on that. And that um, but I think, again, like, so what they're talking about, the, they would have said a thousand million back then. Right. Which, okay. which you know, it just, it's just little annoyances. Okay. I'm a, and I'm allowed to. <laughs> I didn't notice. Yeah. I noticed those. <laughs> I still um, say elevator sometimes, so. No, but yeah. But, <laughs> but, you know, you're Canadian Euro trash, so it's allowed. <laughs> That's right. Um, so, anyway. Just, little, just, you just, know, just little attention to detail. I did like, there was one joke I really liked. I mean, there were a few laughs, and I was into bits and pieces of it. And I think there's some interplay between the band members that I like. Um, there's one joke, which is, there's a kind of intertextual meta joke which is that Mike Myers plays that record exec who oh. says no 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 we, I want this song not that song and he doesn't like Bohemian Rhapsody and he says Bohemian Rhapsody will never be the kind of song that a bunch of mates get into a car with and they will bang their heads listening yeah. to it and the joke is that that's exactly Wayne's what world. he made of Bohemian Rhapsody in Wayne's World yeah. that's, that was and so I liked that sort of that's like a, 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 an educated snigger sort of joke okay. <laughs> <laughs> well not much to offer and actually I think ever since I found out you know, how much, how successful this film is, you know, whatever little sympathy I had has gone. Yeah. <laughs> I, would love, I would love to have seen the version that Sasha Baron Cohen wanted to make, you know. That might have been, like that, I mean, you get the feeling that he may have wanted to do kind of, he, he may have wanted to go so far in, in another direction yes. that it would have been sort of dishonest in a different way. I could imagine it being creepy and nasty, sure. actually. <laughs> but I would have much rather seen a version that was challenging than this this, this, yeah. this, this jukebox hagiography. Yeah, jukebox hagiography. That's what it is. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. And this might be a good moment to end. So, uh, uh, jukebox hagiography. <laughs> jukebox hagiography. We do not recommend. Or do you? Well, uh, I mean, um, those those pleasures of yeah, like the last so twenty minutes. Nice. Those. <laughs> Well, like, okay, whether I recommend it or not is kind of uh, meaningless, really, because people are clearly getting what they like out of it. And, and we both agree that, that when it gets to him cutting his hair and Live Aid happening, that's just very enjoyable to watch. Is, you can't is. underestimate that's a really fun... And that's the end of the film, so everybody leaves on a kind of high in that's spite what... of someone dying of AIDS. And, that, <laughs> and I think is one of the reasons that people are being so kind to it, because like I said before, if the end of the film is good, this is the Hollywood happy ending, if you get a good ending that leaves you on a high you will forget things you didn't like about much earlier in the film yes um and that's what it does so that so that ending is great and, and one day you know that ending will be on youtube and it'll be 20 minutes long and you watch it and go oh that's nice well and then maybe people will forget kind of because i do think it's it's one of those films that people you can imagine people setting out to be really pro-gay and so on right like but actually, the structural elements make it to me just seem really homophobic. There's much, there's you know, much more room and space devoted to his relationship with a woman in this film yeah. than actually, you know, you almost never see him with a man. 
actually, and you, I, do you even see him kissing a man? You don't. Yeah, you, you see him kiss the, 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 guy, the guy Paul, who turns out to be the villain of the piece. He kisses him when he's at the piano. Oh, but that's to reject him. That's like... Uh, uh, well, yeah, that's true. You reject him you at know, that point. So, so yeah. it's kind of... It, and I think he kisses. Does he kiss? That, does like, he kiss Jim on the couch as well when he first meets him after the party? Uh, no, the, I don't remember. No, no, he gra- he grabs his butt and the guy says, "You do that and I'll yeah 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 uh, 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 crush you or something." <laughs> so like, but then, then they are. But then so when they're chatting, every moment that comes close to to gay sex affection. I think they do kiss on the couch just after that when when he kind of apologizes and they make nice and talk. Through the evening, I think it leads to a kiss. I'm not 100 percent confident. I don't remember it. But okay. Um, you know, but, but, so... but, but the the point that you're making is completely valid. Yes. That that um, that it is scared of in a way. Um, the kind of that it's, huge it's, aspect to Freddie it, Mercury's. This is a film life. who's scared of who Freddie Mercury was. Yeah. And why? And who's scared of you know at least two thirds of the reason of why he continues to matter greatly to a certain sector of the population, yeah. which is basically telling that sector of the population to fuck off. Yeah. You know, so it, actually what surprises me is that, you know, just that, you know, some of my friends from this very same group are enjoying it so much, which, which is maybe something worth thinking about. It, it, does, it does seem to me like it is, it's, um, and again, this, is, this is, makes me really pay attention to who is this aimed at, because it's, it's basically saying you can feel good about knowing um, that uh, Freddie Mercury was gay, but you don't have to get involved in any of the details or actually have any understanding of that. You can just go, yes, I like this guy, I like his music, and he was gay, doesn't that make me a nice person? And, oh, isn't it nice of me to be sympathetic because he died yes. of AIDS? But actually, I don't want to actually pay any attention to it because, yes. oh, it's quite uncomfortable for me, I don't really like it. Yes, it's like, it's like the old guy, oh dear. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, don't mean, want, you don't want them to be saying, oh dear, too often during the course of the film. But he absolutely <laughs> was, he really was. It was, it was weird. <laughs> it's like, but how could you, I mean, really, to go to, to go to the Queen movie and then somehow be surprised that Freddie yes. Mercury was gay. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but, well, yeah. well, but, you know, maybe that's the thing. Anyway... Uh, we are eavesdropping at the movies, yeah. and we are on SoundCloud, YouTube, WordPress, Facebook, Twitter. I love seeing your scrunchy face when you try and And eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>